Hey, welcome everybody to Bible Quest. Uh, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. In the coming weeks, we're going to be broadcasting from our personal pages. So this is my week to host, and I'd like to welcome everybody. Um, we're going to be discussing Romans chapter 12 today, and we'll be taking your questions in the comments below if you'd like to join the discussion. Uh, we have with us today from Holmesdale, Pennsylvania, Drew Grotto. Hi, Stephen. How you doing? And we also have with us today uh, from here also in Gettysburg, uh, Scott Smelser. Hey, Stephen. I'm liking the goatee. Thank you. <laughs> and we also have with us from Exton, Pennsylvania, Scott's brother, Jeff Smelser. Hello, everybody. But, Stephen, I'm not so crazy about the goatee. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. All right. We've already got uh, discussion for today. Uh, <laughs> We're going to be continuing our discussion today of Romans chapter 12, and we're going to begin by rereading verses 1 and 2 of that chapter. And uh, this is really the theme of this chapter on Christian conduct. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So last week we talked about uh, verses 1 down through verse 13 or so, and we'll be talking about uh, the latter half of Romans 12 today. And again, if you're just tuning in to us right now, uh, feel free to comment in the questions below. Or Comment in the section below and uh, let us know your questions or comments about this text. It's a rich text. It's really practical in nature. So many good things to meditate on um, as we go through the, the study today. Um, Looks like we've got two comments already, if y'all can see them. I don't. I am looking. Let's see here. Are you looking at the oh, chat window? That's, that's a no. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was okay. a no. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no problem. Well, let's look here on um, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. We started to talk about this some last week. We'll continue here. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And so uh, we talked a little bit last week about this idea of the contrast of abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Uh, and that's just such an important contrast because so many times Christians get pegged more for what they don't do than for what they are supposed to be doing. And we are supposed to hate what's evil. We're supposed to keep ourselves pure from the world. Uh, that's a, a big part of serving the Lord. But the other part of that is that we're to be positively holding fast to that which is good. What do you guys think about that, uh, that concept of holding fast that which is good? That's the, the, the point you made about the, the, the negative and the uh, – it's kind of like in a ballgame where you have defensive plays and offensive plays. A football team that only has defense is never going to win the game. And uh, there are – we people can get in a mindset where, well, you know, I don't lie, I don't cheat, I don't drink, I don't do this. 
And that doesn't mean that I'm a Christian because a brick doesn't do those things. <laughs> That's a good it's point. It's important to absorb what's evil, but we need to cleave to what's good. Yeah, it's not just about what we aren't. It's about what we are. And it's interesting that the, the two greatest commands that Jesus gave were positive commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And isn't it interesting that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, that's not our topic for today, but the contrast there, the two other guys who walked by on the other side, they didn't do bad things. <laughs> they just didn't do anything good right. uh, to the man in need on the side of the road. Um, so loving your neighbor as yourself is not just a don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you, which that's what a lot of people live by. Um, it's not hard to live by that. But what's more difficult, the standard Jesus calls us to, is do unto others what you want them to do to you. And that requires action. That requires initiative of us. Yeah, I, I want to add something to that as well. The fact that we're to hate what's evil, and that's what a word means, and to hold fast what's good, that means that we have to know the difference between good and evil. That's right. Sometimes we'll use our own standard of good and evil, but that's not then genuine love. If I just use my standard of evil and good, and I live according to that, and I say that I love you or love God, then I'm not really being genuine. The only time I can have my love can be genuine is if I know what God des uh, describes as evil and what is good. And, and sometimes we lose that because we have a sense of, well, this is okay, this is pretty good, and we, we take that to mean then, that that's approved, uh, approved by God. Yeah, that's right. When we talked about that passage last week in Isaiah 5, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And that's really, we're in the midst of a, a culture that's doing that right now. We're really confused as to what's actually good, what's actually evil. Um, and it's, most of the time people are saying, well, just everything is kind of good. <laughs> Uh, there's just different levels of good. Um, Scott and I were talking with a guy not too long ago who refused to acknowledge the existence of evil at all. Um, okay. And that was kind of an extreme position. Uh, yeah. I tried to press him on that a little bit, and he, he backed off of it after a little while. But he said, oh, well, that's good for you, and this other thing is good for someone else. And, well, you can only carry that so far before you have to admit there is evil in the world. Yeah, I remember he was saying that Hitler had some good ideas. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, boy. And uh, when we refuse to acknowledge any kind of objective standard of good and evil, it gets us into some scary places. We can't just close our eyes and pretend like everything's good to some extent. Uh, no, there are things that are good and bad. And really, the Lord is the one. God is the one who is the one who defines good and evil. Uh, for those of you watching, um, oh, go ahead. I just want, I have a question uh, on, on the last part of these, this section here. He continues with love one another with brother, bro, brotherly affection, but then he says outdo one another. What does he mean by outdo one another in honor? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what that uh, Young's literal translation said about that, because um, it's kind of the idea of going above one another in showing honor. Let me see if I can find that real quick in Young's literal Romans. 12. While you're looking for that, I want to throw out a question to the audience that relates both 
kind of to these last two phrases uh, while you're looking that up. Audience, oh, I got your question. Why does Jesus say, love your neighbor as yourself? But in Philippians 2, Paul writes to the Philippians and said, count other better than yourself. Now, in neither case does it say put yourself better than other people. But why in Jesus' teaching is it love your neighbor as yourself? And in Paul's letter to the Philippians, count other better than self. And it also relates to these two phrases here. So if we're looking for some audience input on that. Uh, well, uh, Chad just commented a second ago on what we were just talking about. He says, great points without a knowledge of good and evil. Many are afraid to take action because they really don't know if it's a right or wrong action. So greater knowledge coupled with faith actually increases the courage to do what's right. You know, Chad, that's a really good point. And uh, sometimes we are scared uh, of what reaction we're going to get because we're not sure if it's right or wrong. But when we know what God's will really is and we act in faith, it gives us more courage to do what's right because it's not so much important what other people think about us as it is important what God thinks about us. Uh, other people aren't going to judge us on the last day, but God will. So that's a really good point about courage, uh, tying that in there. Thanks for that comment. On your question, Scott, I think it's uh, interesting thinking about the standard God calls us to as regards to our neighbor versus our brother, uh, fellow Christians versus just anybody in the world. Uh, we are to regard everybody in the world uh, as we would regard ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love and your enemy, even when they don't love you. Love your enemy, right? Exactly. And he'll say at the end of this very chapter, Romans 12, do not repay evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, even people doing wrong to us. Uh, our job is not to get back at them to take our own vengeance. Our job is to do good to them. But uh, God calls us to an even higher standard among Christians. In the Christian community, there in Philippians 2, as you mentioned, the, the key to unity is regarding one another as more important than ourselves. And man, I mean, how many things does that change when we have that kind of mentality? Right. And, and we see a similar thing here in Romans 12. Love one another with brotherly affection. That's not what we're commanded to have to our enemies. We're to have love toward our enemies and goodwill toward our enemies, but you're not going to have a brotherly affection for your enemy. You need to do good to your enemy, even though he's evil to you. Uh, you need to not repay evil for evil. But among brethren, it, 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 we have to step it up. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in strong honor. Yeah. We would Here's love that. to hear from y'all. Text in at 530-507-8379 or, or come in um, on the BibleQuest website. Or leave your question in the comments below, and uh, we'll, we'll take any questions you might have. One of the things we're wanting to do with this show, we're continuing in Romans 12 this week, but uh, hopefully next week or soon, we'll be doing some just open question shows. So if you're watching today and you have a Bible question that's been on your mind, um, feel free to put that in today. We may have time to get to it today, but especially in future programs, we'll try to be taking more questions. Uh, I found this uh, Young's Literal Translation. We were referring to this earlier. Um, here in Romans 12, 9, and 10, it reads, The love unfeigned, 
abhorring the evil, cleaving to the good, in the love of brethren, to one another, kindly affection. In the honor, going before one another. Uh, so that's kind of this idea of going before one another in honor. Um, and it's not kind of begrudgingly, well, I guess I need to really show you honor and put you before myself. It's almost the way the English standard version puts it here. It's almost like a competition. Like, let me show you how to do honor, you know, <laughs> and, uh, going before one another, outdoing one another when it comes to honor. I have a question for you guys um, on this loving one another with brotherly love. I've heard it said that uh, someone said, well, I don't have to like you, but I have to love you. Where does that fall into this? I would say with the enemy. I mean, if you say you work with a guy who lies about you, takes credit for your good ideas, blames you for when he messed something up, you know, gossips about you, does everything he can to undercut you, you're not going to enjoy his company. You're not going to say, oh, I wish, you know, <laughs> I wish he would go on vacation with me. But you're, you're to still love him. You're to want what's good for him. And what would be good for him would to be become a more mature human being and less selfish and to come to a knowledge of Christ. But that's not the attitude we're to have to a brother. Right. The, the, to, to the brother, uh, that we, if there's a problem, we need to talk about it and, and fix it and, and get it better and have this love one another with a brotherly affection. Because that yeah. brotherly affection does imply like a liking. I like you. Yeah. 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 Developing that. And of course, there's just different levels of relationship. That there's going to be people that we naturally get along with better than others. But one of the amazing things when you read the New Testament, particularly the book of Acts, and you see the different types of people that were coming together there in the church in the first century. The gospel is an incredibly unifying message. When we really live it out, the message that Jesus taught appealed to people from all sorts of different social backgrounds, economic backgrounds. I mean, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and masters, uh, just you name it, just all different types of people that naturally probably wouldn't have gotten along very well. And in fact, in the world, they didn't. They were at each other's throats. But in the church, in the gospel, they learn to love each other, um, not just to tolerate each other, but learn to put one another before themselves and me, live in harmony. Yeah, let me illustrate something about that. Sometimes brethren in a church, will they'll find people like them to associate with we should we should find something attractive in other people that love Jesus more than anything else. So if if Jesus is not important to us, then it's going to be much more important to us somebody in our own social demographic, somebody in our own hobby, you know, or whatever. But it's like if if you found two people that the most important thing in the world to them was collecting middle-aged, uh, I mean, uh, middle-ages European coins, you know, and that both of them, they were just devoted to that. They would be interested in talking to each other. You know, if they were different age, if they were yeah, different, I can see age, that. different job, because that's what they were all about. And so when we're, when we're all about Christ, then we have something very important with other people who do that. Yeah, that's right. Let's move to our next text here. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And we would love to hear some more from the audience, 530-507-8378. Or uh, comment and questions. Yep. Comments and question there on Facebook or BibleQuest. Yeah, and again, I really like the the parallel rendering of the Young's literal translation in this. In the diligence, not slothful. In the spirit, fervent. The Lord, serving. In the hope, rejoicing. In the tribulation, enduring. In the prayer, persevering. To the necessities of the saints, communicating. The hospitality, pursuing. Um, and that's just a, a cool way of looking at each of these different areas and how kind of it's describing the quality with which we're supposed to pursue each of these different things with zeal. Don't be lazy, <laughs> you know, just get excited about serving the Lord. Uh, don't be the guy looking to do the minimum. And isn't that just all too common in our world? We want to find the shortcut. We want to find the easy button, <laughs> you know, staples really hit on something when they got the, the easy button uh, commercials. Uh, that was easy. And people want to approach God that way. And we just can't approach God that way. There's not an easy button for serving the Lord. Don't be slothful in zeal, but rather be fervent in spirit. You know, there's something interesting. There was a friend of mine who posted a little bit ago. He's really, really into Bible archaeology. And uh, he went to kind of a Bible archaeology conference kind of a thing. Um, and his wife went with him. And she's not as into it as he is, but she had a really thought provoking Facebook post afterward where she just said there, there's something about being with a group of people who just love what they do and they all are really into it. It's, it's just kind of infectious and kind of going back to Scott's point that you were just making about uh, this idea of if you're, you're around somebody who loves the Lord and who is really zealous and fervent in spirit there's something contagious about that, about being around people who you can tell they're not faking it. You know, they're, they're not just there to like look good. They're there because they want to be there. And there's such power in finding the people who love the Lord and who are fervent in spirit that helps us when we're fervent in spirit, but it helps other people too. You know, we pull each other along. Um, what, what are your y'all's thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, the, yeah, that word, that word, that word, zeal in the ESV is really, I think, better translated, like the NASB does in its diligence, because that's your due diligence. So don't be slothful in that. But then it gives the positive. But do this, and that word fervent, I think, is what you're talking about. That energy level, mm -hmm. fervent in serving the law. Um, but I think. It, it doesn't come easy at first, wouldn't you say? Yeah. You know, Although sometimes you see somebody has it at the beginning and then they start to lose it. That's, that's really the true. Church, yeah, that, that's in the, the church of Ephesus, you know, you let, you've left your first, first love. love. Yeah. You know, I think the thing that's harder to do is to reignite the zeal when you've lost it. Because lots of times when you first obey the gospel, you've just come to know Jesus. You are just, people are on fire. I mean, you can see lots of examples of that. 
Um, and then you kind of, things fizzle out over time. And sometimes the challenge we have is maintaining that zeal. Uh, what, what do you guys think about that? What are some ways that we can maintain zeal and serving the Lord uh, just on a practical level? Uh, day in, day out, what are some things we can be doing to feed that flame? Audience as well, comment below if you've got ideas on, on zeal, particularly right now, uh, ways to, to fan that. I, I think it's a part of it is it's a mindset. It's a worldview. If I don't have the um, recognition that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead, then the rest of it is just, it's just another club I'm joining. Because mm, yeah. the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead, that tells me death is not going to win over me if I follow this man who was raised from the dead. So I think it's a mindset, a mind, a worldview. So yeah. Really understand who he is. And that's kind of the story. middle section of this verse. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Yeah. One of the really powerful things about these things is, is uh, worldview and like hope can be really kind of nebulous terms sometimes, but it has to do with our mindset that we talked about at the beginning of this passage, right? Yeah. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed right. by the renewing of your mind. Right. It's really the idea that this is real. Uh, Jesus really did rise from the dead 2,000 years ago, and that has logical implications. It has spiritual implications because his body left that grave. I can be forgiven of my sins. I can deal with the guilt in my life. Now, now that's practical. Is the dealing with our past, dealing with our shame uh, because Jesus rose from the dead. I can be raised from the dead spiritually. And when we, that clean feeling that produces Somebody who's fervent in spirit, doesn't it? When we realize how much we've been forgiven. Whew. Yeah, uh, now that, back to the mindset, though, the renewing. Um, remember when Paul was on um, Mars Hill, right? Talking to the religious yeah, pagans. Yeah, X-17. And, yeah, and he told them about the Lord God, obviously, but he also talked about Jesus being raised from the dead. What were the two different responses speaking to these pagans on that statement alone? There was two different responses. Yeah, wasn't it that some people scoffed? They made yeah. fun of them. You're nuts. You're crazy. Raised from the dead? Nobody does that. You can't reverse death. What are you talking about? That's right. And people today are going to say the same thing. The other response was, we'll we want to hear more that. about that, and some of them believed. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, so the mindset has a – you have – what, what gave them that? They both had the evidence. Both mindsets had the evidence. In the day of Paul, they had evidence that they can go to to prove the facts that Jesus was raised from the dead. We only have the – when I say we only, we have the witnesses and we have the evidence, but they had eyewitnesses that they can talk to. Why would two different – responses come from the same evidence different kinds of hearts different kinds of people listening different points in their walk and uh, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into somebody's reaction and that's the same today so i have to get over that and come to the realization that yeah jesus was raised from the dead can i prove that 
Yes, there's ways we can prove that. We're not going to do that here in today's show. But once you have that mindset and that realization, then you've got the rest of this coming in. Rejoice in that hope, be patient in tribulation, and constant in prayer. Yeah. And you know, these things really go together. These three concepts right here, the ESV puts them all in the same sentence. Uh, Rejoice in hope. When we have a joy about who we are and our purpose and where we're going, hope has that idea of we're looking forward. Um, It helps us to be patient or to endure tribulation. If you don't have hope and bad stuff is happening, it's a lot harder to endure the tribulation, the difficulty, if you don't have a real strong confidence in the promises of God and the hope that's set before us. Uh, So being rejoicing in hope helps you to be patient in tribulation. And the thing that's the line through the whole, through all of it is constant in prayer. Um, Do you see that comment in there, Stephen? There's a comment that came in on the Facebook page, I think. Oh, let me see there. Um, I got away from it. Okay, yeah, Lori um, says, Lori V. Secker says, I think this whole section is teaching that when I come to Christ, I have to be all in. Yeah. Being a Christian can't be a nice big chunk of my life. It has to be who I am through and through. Yeah. I will still have my own personality. I may be an extroverted disciple who is constant in prayer or an introverted Christian who contributes to the needs of the saints or whatever. But my, whatever my nature or personality is, I must serve God with all of me. Yeah. That is a great way to say that. Yep. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to look different to different people, but you gotta be all in. And if you look at the first part here and contrast it with the letters to the seven churches in revelation two and three, look how, Look how many times you see them not being that. There seems to be some lack in it in Ephesus. And then in Sardis, you have a name that you live, but you're dead. And then in Laodicea, they were self-satisfied and lukewarm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that word lukewarm. You know, I really think that's one of the things that is such a deterrent to so many people who might have otherwise come to Christ is they see Christians who say they're Christians. Maybe they go to church sometimes, but they're lukewarm. They're not all in. They don't seem to have a sense of hope about them. They're just kind of there. And who wants that? Uh, and it's not just about who wants it. I mean, the Lord's not pleased with that. Uh, what has the Lord done for us, for us to just kind of sit around and be like, meh, you know, uh, ho-hum, Jesus died for me. Uh, this is an incredible message and and keeping it in front of us, keeping the truth of God's message, staying in his word, constantly praying to God, being grateful to him, asking for his forgiveness. uh, It fuels this fervent spirit that we're talking about and helps us to be all in on days when we may not otherwise feel like uh, being all in. Thanks for, thanks for that comment, Lori on that. Any others have uh, comments, please leave those in the comments below. Uh, We'll keep the discussion going here. Before we get into the next uh, slide, um, Scott, you and I were talking earlier about this seeking to show hospitality. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the opposite of just sitting around and waiting for something to happen, taking advantage of it. What does this mean, seeking? Yeah. It means pursue it, go after it, go look for it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And in the qualifications of elders, they're to pursue 
hospitality. And so it's a good mm-hmm. question for all of us to look. Are we seeking that type of thing? Yeah. Contributing to the needs of saints and seek to show hospitality. And I think, Stephen, I think you mentioned last week, and the word's used differently in the New Testament, uh, but the original meaning of hospitality had to do with the love of strangers. And it's yeah. sometimes in the New Testament of what you do among people, you know, Christians in Peter. But here it looks like it may be a bit of a contrast. Yeah. You know, and th- go, go ahead, Drew. No, go ahead, Stephen. I'll, I'll hold up then. Yeah, here in Romans 12, this was something that jumped out to me when I was studying Hebrews 13. Uh, here it says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Uh, so it's kind of a focus on brethren, but also seek to show hospitality, which, again, the root of that is the love of strangers. Uh, the same thing in Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, is the way the ESV renders that, if I remember correctly, uh, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And so there's this idea of with our Christian brothers, we're especially attentive to their needs, contributing, making sure we're helping one another. But we're always on the lookout and we're seeking for opportunities to show hospitality. That's also applied to brethren as well. But there's this particular love of strangers. And don't we see that with Jesus um, in, in his life? He, he was especially ministering to those who were seeking him, those who were his disciples, but the, the socially outcast, the, the lepers and the, you know, the, the woman at the well and others who perhaps were looked down on by other people, Jesus was reaching out to those people, inviting them into to his life, uh, seeking to show love to people who maybe weren't getting a lot of love from other places. I think that's um, an important concept. Let me, in let me Luke, he said, when you throw a feast, don't just invite the people who can invite you back. Invite the, the, the lame, the blind, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, let me, that's right. Let me, get, let me get a little bit more basic here. Uh, these are instructions, right? Paul's giving us instructions. He gave to the Romans. He's giving to us as well. And I want to go back to something that Lori had said in her comments. She says, it has to be who I am through and through. In other words, being a Christian, right? Not just a, a chunk of my life, right? Well, wait a minute. I'm getting the impression that these instructions are there for us to learn to do these things, which implies prior to that instruction, I didn't know I could do those things or needed to or even have motivation to do it. I'm not born with these qualities here, am I? I'm not born with the, the thing to be, don't be slowful and zeal. I'm not born with being fervent in spirit in the Lord. I may be born to have fervence in something, but uh, I think these are all things that we have to learn. How else can I get that into me? I got to learn these things. These are learning mm-hmm. traits, aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the beginning of the chapter. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. If we're just kind of in neutral we're not going to have these qualities. We have to constantly be being transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's not automatic to be these ways. That's my point. It's not automatic. We have to take the initiative to get that in us so that we are that type of person. Yeah. We have to turn from the opposite acts three nineteen. repent and turn again so that your sins may be blotted out. 
It's rather natural for us to be selfish. It's rather natural for us to do evil for evil. It's easy uh, to, to not look to God, uh, to not try to help other people. Uh, but we have to turn from those things, not be conformed to the world and be transformed. Let's yeah. get on with the next slide because we're getting... Yeah. Actually, there's one point here I want to make on tribulation before we move on if I can. Yeah. And, and there's a slide on it, so we kind of need to hit it <laughs> because otherwise the slide won't make sense. But I'll do it quickly. Be patient in tribulation. When is it easy for us to be patient and endure and do what's right? When everything is kind of going along well. Right. You know, the weather is perfect. You know, our spouse is being, you know, kind and supportive of us. Our children are being respectful. Our, our friends are, you know, behind us. When every, and and, and I, I wake up without any arthritis. When wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Scott, are you telling me that you don't lose patience on any of those things happen? <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes when, even when things are going good, we end up not being as patient as we should. Interesting. But, but it's easier to be doing what we're supposed to do when everything goes our way. Right. You know, the boss appreciates the fact that we've got morals and won't do this or that. And he's not going to fire us. He's not going to, you know, he, he respects us. Everything's rolling our way. That, that, that doesn't do it. This says be patient in tribulation. So I want to illustrate that with this. Drew, Stephen, can I interest you in a set of tools? It's only $1.95. Not today. Not today, Steve. Not today. Well, if Fiona gets a little older, maybe uh, we can get her started on that. But there, There's a saw also. These are all plastic tools. You have saws, wrenches, uh, screwdrivers. And as long as what you're cutting is like butter, as long as the... Yeah bolts you're undoing are just finger loose. As long as the screws are not tightened down at all, this set might do the job. Yeah. And, and it's priced pretty cheap. Uh, of course, why would we not have any interest in that at all? Uh, we got a tougher my... job to do. Yeah. 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 What good does it do to have a tool set that only works when everything's easy? Okay, we're to be God's tool sets down here. We're, Christ is the head, we're the body, we're the hand, the foot, etc. We're to be doing his will. If we do what we're supposed to do only when things are finger loose, you know, finger tight and nothing's hard, that doesn't really accomplish much. It's we need to be able to do it when it's difficult. All right. Yeah, we had another comment from Lori B., uh... She said, this whole chapter is a mix of be commandments and action verb or do commandments. Yeah. Interesting to think of how action or doing God's commands uh, transforms us into people who simply are all of the be commands. Oh, yeah. I think think the idea there is, is the more we simply do the things God is saying to do, it becomes who we are. Uh, we don't just decide one day, I'm just going to be different. Well, we become different by doing the things. Romans, Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We are starting to run close on time here, so let's quickly hit a few of these points. Bless those who persecute you. What about? It's hard. The opposite is don't curse them, so I can start that I know I I can't curse them. Yeah. Curse them. And I tell you what, you remember when Jesus said, pray for your enemies in Matthew 5, saying a lot of the same thing it says here. It changes your attitude when, when somebody is, when you stop and pray for them. Mm-hmm. Love your enemies doesn't mean want them to succeed in what's evil, uh, but we should want what's good for them. And what's good for them is that they serve the Lord and, and, and they get better and they do right. And sometimes they meant to just be miserable people and we would like them to become less miserable people, less selfish, less, you know, negative to other people. But when we stop and pray for our enemies, it's the right thing to do. And it changes the way that we feel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, So many times I remember asking, uh, a friend of mine one time, just how, how do you learn to love other people more? Like how do you actually grow in love for other people? Uh, in particular here, I mean, this is dealing with our enemies. And he said, you serve them, you do good for them. And the more you invest in other people, the more you come to love them. Now it was in a little bit of a different context, but here's the same basic principle. If you spend time praying for somebody, you will care more about them. Uh, you, you'll want what's good for them. And uh, that's what we need to do. And you think about Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And that, that perspective, they know not what they do. That's a really powerful thing to remember sometimes is yeah. they may not even realize the pain that they're causing me right now. Right. And so I pray for them. Father, forgive them. And Jesus, and of course, he knows exactly what's going on. And he's still able to pray, Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing. Listen to this from Titus 3. Speak evil of no man, uh, not to be contentious, be gentle, showing meekness toward all men. For we also once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But then, of course, but when the kindness of God, our son, Savior, and his love toward man appeared, not by works done righteous, which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy, he saved us. All right, rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those that weep. You remember the uh, Simon and Garfunkel song, I am a rock, I am an island, no yes. one touches me. There, there's a certain satisfaction in just being a hermit and say, okay, I don't want anybody else's problems. I don't want, I'm not going to ask anybody for anything. It's just me. Well, if it's just you and something happens for you, who do you have to be happy with you? Nobody. And it's just you and you're not there for anybody else. And when tragedy happens to you, who's there weeping with you? You're on your own. Yeah. And so there's times when things are going good for us, but it's going really terrible for somebody else. And that's a good time for us to 
weep, weep with, with those, those who weep. weep. Yeah. 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 And, and maybe some difficult things are happening to us, but there's something good going on for somebody else. And we can rejoice with those who rejoice. Jesus demonstrated, especially the weep with those who weep uh, there in John 11 with Mary and Martha weeping over Lazarus. Um, and Jesus knew he was about to raise him from the dead, but he felt the pain of the people there in that moment. And it, they say it's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Uh, he, he wept with those who were weeping. And that's such a great example for us. And it, what's challenging about that is, especially when somebody gets something that I wish I had and they're rejoicing about it. And I need to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice, even if it's something that I wish I had and I'm feeling kind of bitter, learning to rejoice with them helps me let go of my own bitterness and resentment. It is Um, very foolish to live life resenting other people having something you don't have because nobody has it all. And if I want everybody else to have the same deficits that I have, then I don't have anybody to fix my plumbing. You know, I'm a terrible plumber. And I'm glad that other people can do that. The world is a better place when there are other people that have things and skills and talents and, and, and blessings that we don't have. All right, we're about to run out of time, so let's do this kind of quickly. Over the next few points, sum it up in as few words as possible. Don't be haughty, associate with lowly, don't be wise in your own sights. Sum that up in two or three words. Well, it's summed up like that's how you're going to live in harmony with one another. Yeah, yeah, doing the opposite will not make harmony, does it? That's right. That's and really I, good. I would just say humility is yeah, the one yeah, word humility. summary of that. All right, chapter 12, 17 uh, 19 through 19. Repay no one for evil or for evil. Give thought to do what's honorable in the sight of all. As, po- as possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Lead it to the wrath of God. Sums up as vengeance is mine. Yeah, don't take revenge. That's that's God's job. That's, that's God's part. Yeah, and, and you know that that really frees us up when when we remember that God is the judge. I am not the judge. It allows us to do what it says at the very end of the chapter here. Uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good it frees me to do good in return for evil when i trust that god will will settle the score at the end and if i can't get even with him what can i do well if he's hungry and this is from proverbs 25 if he's hungry feed him if he's thirsty give him something to drink and what effect does that have on him He's treated me badly. He's, he's done this to you. He's undermined you. He's, he's, he's just tried to make your life miserable whenever he's had the opportunity. Now he's down and out. He's sick. He's your, your rotten, grouchy neighbor and broke his leg, and you're out there pulling weeds or mowing his grass for him. It's going to set his hair on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it should yeah. prick his conscience. Yeah. And it should make him realize, wow, look at what he's doing after all I've done to him. When somebody does us evil and we say, I'm going to get him back. So we lower ourselves to do that. 
What one, good or evil? Evil. Evil. evil one. Yeah. And that tends yeah. to escalate. Yes, yes, because then it's their turn to do evil. I really need to make sure they know how much they hurt me. Let me make sure you understand. Yeah. Hey, guys, yeah. before, before we're getting real close, but I, we always want to try to get through all the comments and, and things. Now, Facebook is always 20 seconds delayed. And a while ago, Tim made a comment. Oh. So I want one of you guys to respond to Tim's comment. Then after that, Jeff, yep. we want you to give a little plug for tomorrow. I'm Hold ready. off on that. Hold off on that. Okay. Okay, answer Tim's comment, Scott. I don't have Tim's comment. I don't okay, Stephen. Tim, Tim commented, what about finger licking? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, I can't remember 20 minutes ago what was going on. I am, I am not sure. What it sounds like a Kentucky Fried Chicken reference. Was there was there a reference to Kentucky Fried Chicken? I don't think so, but <laughs> I've been wrong before. That is certainly random. Jeff, what about the show tomorrow? Hey, yeah. tomorrow at 3 o'clock, Joe Works and I will be doing a webcast tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon. Last week, we did it, although I don't think anyone was able to see it. We had some technical difficulties. Hopefully, this week, we'll do better. We have uh, Noah Andrews, who is going to be running things tomorrow, and I think he can do a better job of running things than I did last week. So if you had trouble viewing last week, uh, try us again this week. And make sure, make sure you record the show. Yeah, we will record the show, won't we, Noah? Yes. <laughs> and what's the topic tomorrow? Uh, well, we have, we have the several segments. We've got What You Got, Joe, and we will be studying the book of John, and we've got What You Got, Jeff, and we've got a guest, although our guest canceled for tomorrow, and we've got to get a different guest lined up, and right now we're <laughs> lined up. Stay All tuned, right. same bat channel, and find out who that guest will That's be. That's right. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you, everybody, for, for watching today. Um, thanks to everybody who commented, Chad, Lori. Tim, whatever that question meant. Uh, thank you to everybody. And also thank you to Mardo uh, from Guatemala who commented in, in Spanish. Uh, we don't have a Spanish program just yet, brother, but uh, I hope we will maybe someday. Um, you can check Gardner's show on Saturdays at noon. Um, that's right. That's the way they say it. And, yeah. and Shayla. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in today and we'll hopefully see you next week. We'll let you know on the Bible quest page where, uh, whose page will be on, uh, next week, but thanks everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.